you know, uh, so Eric started with giving the parsha, the three sections of the parsha. Um, thank you. The um, first having to do with holiness. Uh, secondly, and, and that's mainly for the priests, but we are all priests. So, um, but secondly, the Leviticus 23, Moedim, the holy days, the appointed times. And then finally, about justice and restitution. And uh, in Ezekiel 44, it also uh, has uh, information on the do's and don'ts of holiness. And, and we get to Luke 14, 12, and, and it took me a while to kind of figure out uh, why this passage was related to these prior passages. One of the things that, uh, as we look at holiness and the importance of holiness, I, I think oftentimes we, we have a wrong idea of what holiness is, which I'll talk about in a moment. But I find that in my walk, I'll just be speaking about me, because it, then I don't get anybody else feeling awkward, um, that my, my quiet time goes up and down. Uh, it's not always at a high level. So everybody has to do something different. Once you recognize that, you have to figure out, okay, what do I do? How can I change this? And for those of you who've been around for a while, you know how I change this. And that is, I write a card. <laughs> I write a little booklet. And in the booklet, I take it around because generally when I have my quiet time, I'm walking. And I take this booklet and I start working on this booklet, or in this case, this one, which I've given you today. And it's actually the same with a rewritten introduction to the one I gave you after the fall holy days so you'll recognize a lot of r's in it <laughs> um but this does it for me because now i have these scriptures that are bringing me into what god wants and as i focus on these scriptures because that's pretty much all this is is a bunch of scriptures in in an order with maybe one sentence of explanation. And I find that that really does it for me. And it brings me back to a new level, a higher level with the Lord. So, number one, I'd ask you to give this a try. See if it works for you. Secondly, I would just mention that if it doesn't, find something that does. Because not being at a good place, a strong place with the Lord, means the rest of your day is not what you want it to be. Because he's the one who's guiding us. He's the one who's directing us. So we have to hear from him every day. And yeah, I, I can go a week probably at a low level, and then something hits me and I realize, you know, I'm not doing a really good job here. And I know God hasn't moved, 
So obviously, I've moved. And usually, it's away. So, this is how I come back. I challenge you to make sure that you have come back, that you have really spent that time. So, in looking at holiness, because I really feel that's the theme of the parasha for this week, there are different pieces of holiness. In other words, if you say, well, what is a holy person like? There are different characteristics. We're going to look at mainly one. Because when we allow the stress and the circumstances and the distractions of the world to take up residence in us, we become unholy. It's kind of simple. So Luke 14, 1 through 14, which is kind of what I'm going to be speaking from today, gives us a glimpse of holiness based on humility. I feel that in order to be holy, you must be humble. And so let's take a look at what I'm seeing in Scripture. Luke 14, 1. Now, when Yeshua went into the home of one of the leaders of the Pharisees to eat a meal on Shabbat, they were watching him closely. Well, Yeshua shows humility right then and there. He knows he is in a place where people don't really appreciate him. So he's, and, and, and the, the, you know, the way the world worked at that time was if you felt uncomfortable with somebody, you just didn't eat with them, you didn't sit with them, you, you just stayed far away from them. And this happened in a lot of ways. The Pharisees wouldn't eat with sinners and so on. So, but here Yeshua was in the home of a leader, the leaders of the Pharisees. So there are a number of them, and they're spending Shabbat together, which would have been interesting. And they were watching him closely. What does that mean? Well, I think it means that if you stand for something, and in this case, we stand for Yeshua, and Yeshua stood for the good news, that means people are going to look at you. And I know that there are people who have heard or maybe even said, people here who have said, don't judge me. And I think that's wrong. Definitely. Judge me. Because that's the whole point of why I'm here. To be a disciple means, in a sense, to be judged. And humility is required to ask people to judge me. And it's not said from a, a point of pride. It's said from a point of, this is who we are. So, I believe that when they were to watch closely, they wanted to see how he would react, how he would speak, what he would say. Now, who was there? That was really interesting. 
because he was eating with people he disagreed with, and those people were actually Torah lawyers and Pharisees. It sounds like, and we'll look at this a little later, it sounds like this is a trap. So, he, he's being watched closely, and I want you to look at a scripture that, you know, kind of surprised me a little. 2 Corinthians 3, 2 and 3. It says this, you are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. It is clear that you are a letter from Messiah, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Ruach of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. It's been said, I've heard people say this, that some people, the only Bible they'll ever get to read is you. Because they don't open up the physical Bible, so they judge the Bible based on you and who you are and what you say and how you behave. So, God's word has to pierce our heart in order for us to become holy. And the question I'd ask you today is, are you a letter from Yeshua, written to your family, written to your congregation, written to your friends, your co-workers, written, are you a letter from Yeshua? If you answer yes, my guess is you're holy. Unless you're fooling yourself. In which case, maybe not. In verse 2, um, going back to chapter 14 of Luke, and there before him was a man swollen with fluid. So Yeshua said to the Torah lawyers and the Pharisees, as I mentioned, that's who was there, is it permitted to heal on Shabbat or not? But they kept silent. So Yeshua took hold of him and healed him and sent him away. So I mentioned before this seemed like a trap because generally sick people aren't invited to lunch, even when there wasn't COVID going on. And it didn't sound like he was one of the Pharisees or the Torah lawyers, so I'm kind of thinking he was brought in to be an obstacle to Yeshua, but maybe not. I don't know. That's conjecture. And after Yeshua heals him, Yeshua sends him away. Like, Yeshua has the authority to send this guest away. And so that also made me think he wasn't a Pharisee. And nobody complained. Nobody said, Yeshua, don't send him away. <laughs> so that is kind of an interesting dynamic going on here. 
But Yeshua welcomed the situation that he was in. And so he asked them, is it permitted to heal on the Sabbath? Now, he knew their answer. But, you know, when I've read some things on this verse, it, a, a lot of people feel this was like the beginning of his teaching. But I don't feel that at all. I think he asked the question because he was being respectful. Uh, he was in somebody else's home, and he was asking an honest question. Is it okay if I heal this person? And since nobody said anything, he said, okay. Saying nothing means yes. And so he healed the person. Now, he knew that their pharmaceutical or phar uh, understanding of the law was that you should not heal on the Sabbath. So he goes on, and he goes into verse 5 and 6, and tries to give a biblical rationale, while, again, they're not saying anything, which is surprising to me. But uh, in verse 5, it says, Then he said to them, Which of you, with a son or an ox? Now, I, I take exception to this, Yeshua. A son or an ox? I, I mean... What are we, covering the entire gamut here? I, why, why don't you just say a son? Uh, where did the ox come in? But we know where the ox comes from. So, which of you with a son or an ox falling into a well on Yom Shabbat will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things because, again, they would see themselves getting into trouble. But he was basing this reasoning on Deuteronomy 22, verse 4, which says, You must not watch your brother's donkey or ox fall down on the road and ignore it. You must certainly help him lift it up again. Now, it doesn't make any um, it doesn't mention the Shabbat at all. But there was a, a sense of understanding about observing the Shabbat amongst the Pharisees that uh, there was a distinction between works of necessity and a desire towards self-indulgence. So what I mean by that is that um, there... Pharisees even understood that if there was a necessity, if there was something you had to do, uh, that it wasn't based on your own feelings, but something that would better someone else, you could do it on the Shabbat. Because there was always a connection between holiness and charity or righteousness. And so what Yeshua was doing was he was reminding them in a sense that there was no commandment that said thou shall not heal on the Sabbath, but rather it was an understanding, a tradition of man, an interpretation of or maybe a stretching of scripture beyond what was really necessary. So Yeshua goes on in Luke 14 and he talks about how uh, an invited guest should sit in the, in the least of seats. Thus, we need to show humility. So he was talking about humility. And, I, you know, when I was thinking about it, uh, it 
I guess, I, I'm trying to figure, does anybody know if, if the least of the seats were in the back or in the front? I, I, I think uh, maybe in, in, they were in the back at those times. I think they're in the front today, you know, that everybody fills up the other seats first and then the front uh, gets... Uh, but any rate, th this is kind of a backdrop for these next couple verses that I want to look at, which is Luke 14, 12 through 14. Then Yeshua was also saying to the one who invited him, when you host a luncheon or dinner, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Otherwise, they might invite you in return as your payback. But when you host a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And you will be blessed since they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the, righteous, uh, the resurrection of the righteous. So to me, this is all about humility. And he explains that even if people seem, because at that time, the people that he described were people who were viewed in a, in a sense, they were lower than everybody else. That, that because they were crippled or lame or blind. So they were the poor. They were the people who you, you didn't necessarily respect. And, you know, it makes you think, how do you live your life in terms of other people? Do you, are, are you like, sociable to everybody? Or do you pick certain people who you either connect with or you feel they're on your level in some way and you ignore certain other people because of how they look or how they maybe even act? God is showing us, I believe, through this scripture that he came for all, and we need to do the same. And that requires tremendous humility because it's not how we were taught. It's not how we, it's not how the movies go. It's not how anything goes. Uh, you know, if, if a famous person is attacked on stage, you hear it all around the world. If I were attacked on stage, you'd hear it here. <laughs> it would never get out of the sanctuary. Because this is a famous person as opposed to someone who is not famous. So we, we tend to do this. This is how our society works. Wow, if I could, if I could just meet such and such. I admire that person so much. But there are probably a hundred people that you don't admire that you really don't want to meet. Like the people on the street who live there. So Yeshua is giving us a message of humility. 
And it, it definitely started me thinking about how I do things. Too often, I believe, we think of holiness as just a life being devoted to God, like a monk. You know, oh, well, yeah, the monks are holy. They're away from everybody. They're studying all the time. And I don't find that to be a holy person. Because encapsulated in your devotion to God has to be a devotion to people. And without a devotion to people, you are just escaping <laughs> because you just don't want to deal with them. And I don't blame you. <laughs> I understand, but it's just not God's way. It's, it's not what God is asking of us in order for us to be holy when he says, be holy as I am holy, because he went to everybody regardless of any type of, of division. So you can't be devoted to God and not be devoted to people. Holiness comes from the Hebrew word kadosh, which means to cut or to separate or to set aside. And so we are to set aside or set apart from the way the world does something. But I'm going to tell you, more importantly, if you need to be set aside from something, it needs to be yourself. Because we can blame our troubles on other people, but in God's economy, in God's work, it, it just doesn't work that way. One of the things I, I remember, I don't remember a lot from my school days in junior high and high school. Um, just don't. But I do remember one thing. Um, I remember in chorus, we sang a lot of spirituals. And one was, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And I remember in the lowest seasons of my life, going around as I talked to the Lord, but going, walking on a track or, or someplace, and singing that song to me so that I would understand what needs to change. And... We have to understand that our thinking, our judgment, our, our, all our things get in the way of having a pure relationship with God, which is one of the ways to look at holiness, is to have that relationship with God. But if our, our relationship with people is, is not good, then our relationship with God is also not going to be as good as it should be. In Philippians verse two, three, verse 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfishness or conceit, but with humility consider others as more important than yourselves. That's tough. That's not easy. 
it's much easier to just ignore it all. Luke 5.30. The Pharisees and their Torah scholars began murmuring to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Yeshua answered and said to them, Those who are healthy have no need for a doctor, but those who are sick do. I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinful to repentance. We all know those scriptures. It's the scripture after that one we don't know. It, it's not a popular scripture, the one after it. So let's see, because this is a very interesting scripture. In verse 33, it says, But they said to him, Okay, so the disciples were saying to, to Yeshua, John's disciples often fast and offer prayers, as do the disciples of the Pharisees. In other words, hey, this is what we do when we're dealing with the sick and the sinful. We pray for them, we fast for them, and this is absolutely a great thing to do. Nobody's going to disagree with that. That's exactly what we should do. But it also says, but your disciples are eating and drinking. Now, you can picture that as just eating and drinking, meaning not, not um, fasting or praying. But I see this also as spending time eating and drinking with the sinful and the sick. In other words, to be physically involved, not just spiritually involved. And so I just think that this is part of holiness, is not to just say, I'll pray for you, and then walk away, and that's the end of it. But the first step, is yes, to pray. And when somebody tells you something, the best time to pray is before you turn away. So you might as well pray right then and there, if, if at all possible. But secondly, once you're finished praying, there's that physical help that you can do as well. To show that it's not just your high status of a believer, and now we've called on the Lord to take care of this and see you later, and it's been great. But now, maybe God wants to use you to remedy a situation. Maybe God is sending an angel to help this person, and you happen to be the angel. This is part of holiness. This is part of humility. What would Sharesh David look like if we all had this attitude? <laughs> Imagine the amount of fellowship that would occur because we won't allow our head and our feelings to be more important than what God is showing us about love, humility, holiness. Imagine not allowing our insecurities and fears to stop us from fellowshipping and serving others. 
Let me repeat that because I kind of segued into a different part of, of this. Holiness is the ability to have enough faith in God that you can overcome the things that stop you from doing what he wants you to do. And the things that normally stop us from doing God's will is fear is, is, and, and insecurities. Well, probably one in the same. The insecurities and the fear. Imagine if, if we could live in a way that God is asking us to. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. One of my favorite scriptures in this area because it's so specific and I like, I, I, I don't want God to say, keep the Shabbat and then don't tell me anything else because I'm going to say, Lord, how do I keep the Shabbat? Right? So there, I, I want directions. Tell me what to do, Lord, and I'll do it. Now, in case of the Shabbat, you have to do a little studying, and, and maybe that's what he wants us to do, so that we understand how to keep Shabbat and, and, and it, from his point of view. But Ephesians 4, 31-32 tells us about our relationship of holiness, because in order to do these things that it mentions in Ephesians 4, we have to have humility, and that brings forth holiness and that's get rid of bitterness rage anger quarreling slander along with all malice instead be kind to one another compassionate forgiving each other just as god and messiah also forgave you this is holiness this is what holiness is all about this is god's de desire for us as i say this kind of tongue-in-cheek, you're very lucky to be a Cheresh David where you can practice this often. <laughs> we allow you to practice this on a regular basis. Our, our holiness begins with having Yeshua as our Lord. And so as we seek to be holy, as God is holy, a first step, obviously, is to know Yeshua and to be able to get close to God. The, the only way to really get close to God is through Yeshua. Yeshua says that he's the way. Right? So... If there's somebody here who has never received Yeshua into their lives, you should do it now. Be the best decision you've ever made in your life. If there's somebody on Facebook Live who has never received Yeshua, you should do it today. Because it will change your life. So if, if that is what you'd like to do, I'd ask you to pray this prayer with me. I understand that it is only through you, Yeshua, that I can be holy. May this be my heartfelt prayer to you. I'm sorry for my sins. 
I receive you, Yeshua, into my heart, and I dedicate my life to you from here on. And so as we say this, we get the most amazing gift known to man. Actually, a number of gifts. One being eternal life, but also a journey that is never boring, a journey that is always growing as long as we keep this prayer in our heart that our eyes are always on Yeshua. This changes our life forever. If anybody has said this prayer here or on Facebook Live, uh, we'd like to give you a Bible which will help you navigate scripture. It'll help uh, teach you a lot about the Bible as well as reading the Bible. And so sp certainly speak to me after service if you're here, but if you're not and you're on Facebook Live, email us, call us, and we'll be more than happy to send you out one of these new Believing Bibles for free. Because that's what it's called. It's called a New Believer's Bible, meaning a Bible for those who newly have received Yeshua as their Messiah. Let's pray. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Heaven and earth are full of your glory, Lord. And Father, my desire is to be holy as you are holy. My desire is to see my family holy as you are holy. My desire is to see our congregation holy as you are holy. My desire is to get closer to you in my quiet time, closer to you in my worship time here, closer to you I, I lord i'm asking that you touch my heart and touch the people everybody here every i pray that you would touch their heart soften our hearts lord let this all this day be about worshiping you lord we humble ourselves before you and we ask that you would lift us up at the proper time. Because we're casting all our anxieties, all of our fears, everything in front of you. We cast it all. Take it. Take it from us. We want to be free from anxiousness. We want to be free from anything that would hold us back in our walk with you. So Lord, pour out your Spirit. Pour out your Spirit in a strong way so that we can magnify you in everything we do. We bless you, praise you, and seek to honor you, Lord, this day and every day in the name of Yeshua. Amen.